Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast After the Bell with Chip Nellinger. Chip, a lot of numbers came out today. A lot of re- off that report. I was the report, so let's uh, jump right into that. There was uh, well, give me. Let's do this first. What's your overall reaction to the port- report, and then we'll kind of dive into each individual thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, we did have a ton of numbers. Uh, corn. I'll, I'll kind of start with corn. Uh, essentially, unchanged carry out on old crop corn. Um, the new crop, they came in um, at, uh, let me get my number here, $1.68 billion on a new crop corn carryout. Uh, that was um, within the range. That was about 50 million bushels above the average estimate. Uh, but the bottom line here is, in the big picture, and that's assuming a 174 trend line yield, which we've only done like two times ever. That's still a pretty big yield. And we're cutting the carryout from 2.18 here on the old crop to 1.68. That's the right trend you, you want to be on in this type of a market. We, we've been for three years now, we've been the opposite where we're building carryout. So it's good to see. And what that tells me is that if there's any type of a threat going forward of hot, dry weather, um, you know, later this summer during pollination or grain fill, that, um, you know, you get the market fearful that we're going to end up sub trend line on corn yields, we've got some upside left in this market. So that's a good sign. And that was probably the most, uh, one of the most friendly things on the report. Uh, the bean number was a little bit shocking, right? So the old crop beans, 530 million bushels, uh, that was down 20 million bushels. That was about expected. They increased uh, crush demand, uh, primarily because we're picking up extra crush demand because of the drought in, in Argentina. Uh, the new crop number, though, was a little bit shocking. The market expected new crop bean carryout to be 535 million. The USDA put it at 415 million. So that's relative to expectations, pretty friendly. The reason they did that was they projected a massive increase in demand. And the, the market, I think today, you know, we closed beans higher, but like 11, 12 cents off the highs. And I think the markets, uh, as I do, uh, a little bit reluctant to assume that we're going to see bean demand increase 230 some million bushels next year when we're really struggling right now to even hit the export numbers that they have projected for old crop. A lot of that's because of the Chinese trade situation. So it it leaves a lot of adjustment potential down the road. Right now it's friendly, puts a little bit of a floor underneath beans. But in the future, you fast forward three months, six months, if we're not just setting the world on fire on bean demand, then all that's going to do is start increasing the carryout slowly but surely as they ratchet that higher and lead to disappointment. So, you know, all told, we are set up for a lot of fireworks, um, both higher and potentially lower. And a lot of it, obviously, as it does every year, is going to depend on crop size and and yields here so that's going to be the determining factor on a lot of this but uh we're we've got stage stage set for a lot of volatility the wheat numbers uh we're about as expected slowly shrinking wheat carry out um 955 million for new crop that's down from uh, a billion 70 but not a big enough jump to get wildly bullish we had a wheat production total production number uh 1.82 billion bushels of all wheat it was about 47 million bushels higher than the average estimate. So a little bit disappointing there. So all told, we had a pretty choppy trading day. Corn uh, closing uh, three quarters of a cent lower in the old crop, unchanged on new crop. Beans five to six higher. 
the wheat four, four and a half lower. Um, a lot of what's going to happen here the next couple of weeks on the weather is going to kind of drive things. Um, you know, over this part of the Corn Belt, just picture perfect. Uh, we're getting a lot planted. A lot of guys wrapped up with corn and beans both, getting a little bit of rain, uh, more rain coming. As long as that's not a pounding three-inch, four-inch rain, I'm telling you, this uh, eastern Corn Belt is, uh, Illinois and Indiana in particular, off to a pretty awesome start. However, I know the northwest Corn Belt is a little bit uh, delayed and, you know, struggling um, getting seed in the ground in a timely manner. Um, so it's kind of a tale of two Corn Belts right now. But uh, Mother Nature is going to drive this thing. Uh, all told, I would say it was, it was fairly friendly. It was a great um, report. There was nothing that was just wildly bearish in this thing, right? So shrinking corn carryout year over year, um, bean carryout below what they uh, anticipated for new crop. So that's a, a good stage to be set as we go into the main part of the growing season here. Okay, so all the stuff that's happening in South America now. So we went from, Argentina went from being super duper dry. I mean, they're on the verge of never getting a crop out and then they're getting a crop to go. And now they've got so much water they can't get anything out. And then you flip that over into Brazil, where they were having some trouble with their um, third <clears throat> third planting cycle of corn, where they were in dry spill. Now they're really getting some the needed rains that they needed down there. So, how's the market? How is the market reacting to that? And did that play into some of the stuff in the into the report? Yeah. So we uh, one of the big parts or the high points of, of, of these monthly supply and demand reports are the world numbers, as well as uh, in particular the the South American numbers. So. Argentina's corn crop uh, unchanged at 33 million. Um, however, the Brazil corn crop, they dropped 5 million metric tons uh, to 87.0. So they are shrinking that crop a little bit due to the dry weather. As you mentioned, there's um, maybe a little bit of rain coming, but it's not like a general rain and a, and a crop saver. So they're gonna need additional rain. If that Brazil crop keeps shrinking, over the next uh, four to six weeks and they miss rains or they don't get enough rain, uh, that's definitely going to help, um, you know, corn prices out and give us some support. On the bean side of the equation, uh, Argentina's bean crop down 1 million ton to 39.0, uh, about as expected. However, there's some uh, domestic estimates down there that have that crop size kind of in the 35 to 37 range. So it tells me that maybe USDA has a little bit of room to drop that um, Argentina bean crop over the next couple of months. Uh, but to counter that, the, the uh, Brazil bean crop was raised 2 million tons to 117 million. So that's not a record crop for them, but it's right up there. That's a big crop. So that's helping cushion some of the blow um, of the loss of production in Argentina. Net-net though, um, South American bean production is going to be significantly lower than a year ago, even with the big crop in Brazil, because that drought uh, was so severe in Argentina. Some of that's baked into prices already, but we don't know the final size there yet. USDA usually takes another couple, um, you know, by I'd say about July, they've got that zeroed in. So here in a couple months, we'll get um, a better feel for exactly where those crops are going to probably end up. Right. So I know this is kind of a wait and see question, but you know there's a lot of rumblings right now. You look at a lot of, of 30, 60, 90 day weather forecasts and the eastern part of the cor of the corn belt is, stays pretty wet through that, that time frame. They're gonna have pretty good growing conditions. You get west of that, you start into that western part of the corn belt, 
um, and even down into the to the wheat belt and everything else, there's just showing hardly any kind of precipitation to to really kind of in any model that you look at. So I know it's a wait and see thing, I and mean, we're just not getting stuff planted, but. In your rumblings or in, in, in your visits with other traders or whomever you might run across, have you heard some some rumblings about that? And, and is there any kind of, I don't know, kind of paranoia about that yet setting into the marketplace? Well, a little bit. Um, generally, though, the market kind of takes its time when it mm-hmm. comes to that. So it's definitely on the radar screen here. I wouldn't say it's affecting prices uh, dramatically yet uh, because the market is fully aware that that's probably not an issue until you get into say a month from now, Um, you know, late June and for sure July and August. If we're trending hot, you know, if if you get into say, just pick a number here, a date, uh, June 20th, and and we're uh, significantly below average precip at that point and it's warming up and it's hot and the two week forecast is dry, then it's gonna start having more of an effect on prices. But the market, doesn't usually get too far ahead of itself. And so it's going to probably hang out and wait uh, before it does much as far as adding risk premium because of that dry weather. And uh, because there's there's time in this crop, these hybrids anymore, we can still, we've proven it, that you can still raise an above average crop with below average precip if you get it at the right time. Right. So number one is amount. Um, and number two is, are you getting it at the critical times? And so there's a there's kind of a double-edged sword there. But uh, long answer, uh, even longer, um, I, I don't think it's really affecting us yet. But, uh, you know, each week that ticks off the calendar, that's going to be more uh, of an important factor in the market's mind. And when, mid last half of June, it starts getting much more critical. Okay. All right. So let's move over to the cattle complex, the livestock complex. How'd that shape out today, and, and what's some driving factors there? Yeah, pretty uh, strong day in cattle. Um, they came to life uh, last half of the session, spent some time early today lower, uh, caught fire, found a lot of buying interest, closed the June cattle up 185, um, spent uh, just a little bit of time north of 108. Still, what's supporting that is the fact that uh, June cattle, even today, are uh, what 14 15 16 bucks below where cash traded last week and uh, we're you know only have uh, five six weeks left here on the june contract to trade so we're going to have to converge that uh, futures to cash at some point and it's not going to be a case where cash likely can drop fast enough to meet the futures so the futures have to do a little bit of lifting here to get closer where cash is. That supported everything. Uh, August cattle up 92, feeders were up 95. Um, so that's what's driving things in the foreseeable future. Until cash cattle break, there's gonna be good support under this market. Uh, doesn't mean you're gonna go straight up, but there, there's gonna be good uh, buying support on any break in cattle until you start seeing um, you know, some sharply lower cash trade. Hogs had a good day too, up 75 in the June 7732. Um, you know, they're kind of waiting out here and anticipating of the of the typical seasonal pattern of cash hogs rallying into summer. Happens, uh, I'm not gonna say every year, but it's one of the more regular seasonal tendencies and stronger seasonal tendencies that you see is a is a dramatic move higher in cash hogs into July, August. 
and um, that's kind of what the futures are anticipating. And so I think that there's probably some good uh, games to be had over the next couple of months in hogs. Probably have to spend some time north of 80. Um, and right now trading, you know, again, 77, 76 range on this June and, and July contract. So uh, I think hogs look good. Doesn't mean they won't see breaks along the way. And it doesn't mean you won't go straight up. Um, but I think overall, hogs look pretty good for kind of a grind higher in the summer. Right. Okay, so last on uh, Friday's episode, this last Friday, we talked about oil a little bit, and and, and that kind of tied to the whole Iranian thing that we're going through right now. Yep. What are you seeing in that oil market, and is is it kind of doing what you thought it might do when we talked on Friday? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about it yesterday. Yesterday was just a wild day in crude oil, massive range. Uh, part of that was around the announcements of uh, us officially pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. So then overnight. So you saw a little bit of pressure at, at times. Overnight then, there was um, some uh, Israel shot some missiles into Syria in, retali- in retaliation to some Iranian forces um, bombing parts of, uh, of Israel. And so that uncertainty in that region um, added some risk premium uh, to crude oil. It's wildly volatile in here. Um, but you, you, right now, we're trading uh, just north of 71, 71.38. That's up about 24 cents. You know, in relation, uh, last week, we were trading like 66. So we've had a big move higher in these energies. Um, and the, it's a powder keg because if this Iran-Israel thing uh, takes a turn for the worse, or you get Russia in there, or Iran does something in retaliation to us pulling out of the... A nuclear deal, things could get a little haywire there. So that's likely going to keep um, a lot of uh, risk premium built into the energy markets and keep crude oil fairly firm. But again, it could, you could have some wild swings in that. Uh, and it just gets a little bit crazy when it gets political like this. Yeah. Yeah, like you said yesterday, after we got done, that this, this is, like you said, this is one of the first times that you can remember where the news cycle played more into commodity pricing than, than anything else had to. Yeah, especially the ags. I mean, crude oil is always news prone to any type of a conflict in the Middle East or anything like that. And some of the currency markets and financial markets um, obviously uh, are news prone. But the, the ag markets, grains, livestock, uh, you know, with all this stuff that's going on, it, it really is a different environment than what we've been used to uh, in the past several years. So it, it, it means that you're going to see big um, moves both directions for not much of a reason. We've already seen a couple instances in the last two weeks, three weeks, of fake news stories on Twitter coming out that dramatically affect prices. The market reacts because they, they, they think it is news, um, pushing prices one way, and then in 10 minutes, they come out, no, no, it was a fake news story, and prices go screaming the other way. So mm-hmm. it's just the sign of the times, I guess, and, and we're in the you know, information age, but more than ever, um, a lot of that information is incorrect or false. Yeah. And uh, it's just crazy. It's a crazy market environment. Well, that definitely shows you how much social media plays into uh, what happens, to how, many, how many people are following social media and getting their news from that. So. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It really is a, uh, a world market. And, um, you know, now more than ever, it's, it's way more about 
other issues as much as it is well, how much rain and, and what's the forecast. That was what used to drive the grain markets. It still does, but there's a lot of other influence there as well. Right on. All right, Chip. Well, if folks want to get a hold of you and talk about risk management, how would they do that? Yeah, best way is just uh, call us directly here at the office, 309 550 And you can find Moving Iron Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. And you can also go to Moving Iron LLC for more information about the podcast. So till tomorrow we do a, a weekend review. Have, good, have a good rest of your day, Chip. Hey, you too. Thanks, man.